What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. This is your Wednesday Best Bets episode in the National Basketball Association. Getting you Best Bets tonight will be Sean Little, Jay Money, and Albert Wynn, the analytics capper. I will not be giving Best Bets tonight, but I did have to hop on here because we had big news in the NBA. Last night, got home from uh, come home, late night, come home, work sucks, I know, got back for the Nuggets game at Ball Arena, watching Joker do his work, uh, was ready to go to bed, had just a gun, was like, just about to close that laptop, and bam, got hit with that Woj bomb. James Harden is a clipper. Finally, finally, our long national nightmare is over, uh, and Captain Trade Demand can go somewhere else to demand another trade in three months. The Los Angeles Clippers send Nick Batum, Robert Covington, the corpse of Marcus Morris, alongside two first-round picks, including one that they negotiated from the Oklahoma City Thunder, a pick swap, and two second-rounders to the Philadelphia 76ers for Harden and P.J. Tucker uh, and a European prospect who we'll talk about if he ever becomes good. So I want to get the guy's reaction to this. We can do a, a, a reaction pod to it because today was crazy. I want to get everybody's thoughts on like what they think about this, if there's a play to be made. My big picture takeaway on this is... Do not bet Clippers. Do, do, do not. Do not. Don't bet them for midseason tournament. Don't bet them to win the title. Don't bet them to make or miss the playoffs. Just stay away. I think division, I took division in preseason. I think that's okay. They're in the mix for it. They look pretty good anyway. But like, look, wait, just, just wait. Because you'll know more about this team and whether or not they have any semblance of health or availability in April. We talked about this so much on the preseason best bets episode for title futures that you can wait and still get a good number before the start of the playoffs. I don't think that that case is more applicable than with this Los Angeles Clippers team, but Albert, Wynn, I do want to kind of get a sense from you of how do you think that the Clippers change with James Harden? Like, do you upgrade them? Do you downgrade them? How do you factor in the addition of James Harden to the Los Angeles Clippers? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Matt, because I actually don't consider James Harden a star anymore. Like, I think if we were to talk about him two trade demands ago, right, this is going to move the needle. But you know me, we we had this discussion on, on preseason odds before the season started. I was bullish on the Clippers heading in. I thought it was going to be a redemptive type season. Kawhi, if healthy, we all saw how great he is in the playoffs against the Suns in that one game. Um, PG Redemption, Russell Westbrook, Ty Lue. Like, the list goes on and on because this team is no longer talked about like it was a couple seasons ago, and I was very, very bullish on that fact. But now adding this, um, you know, very talented, great playmaker, um, if he has his head, you know, screwed on right on the basketball court, he's a great addition to your team because there's not many people can do what he does from a skill perspective. But it's just all the other stuff that people don't really talk about when they're analyzing basketball, right? When you look at all the off-court stuff, the locker room stuff, 
I just don't know if those four personalities can mesh for a full season. And it's no coincidence that all four guys are basically free agents at the end of the year. So it's going to be very interesting to watch. It's going to be great theater as a fan. But from a betting perspective, there's no way I'm going to be backing the Clippers now. So I'll go back and forth on this. He led the league in assists last year, 12 per game, and he shot 39% from three-point range. Like, that that's a pretty good basketball player. And you talked about the off-court stuff. I will say that he hasn't been in a spot where he really wanted to be since Brooklyn. And you're like, yeah, and how did that work out? There's no Kyrie Irving here, right? Like, that was the whole thing. Is like the pandemic happened, and the whole Kyrie thing happened, and Harden's like, I'm out. Now, I don't want to make excuses for him. Like, Harden's made his bed. Like Harden has made his bed. He's caused this whole conversation, Sean. But I will say that, like, look, um, having a guy that can set up Kawhi and PG is a good thing. Having another floor spacer that you can play next to Russell Westbrook in those lineups is a good thing. Uh, having a guy that can run pick and roll with Zubac in the minutes when mo- those guys are not on the floor. If there's a game where PG's out and Kawhi's, you know, in the minutes where Kawhi's not on the floor, you can just run Zoo harden pick and roll and you'll be pretty effective like it just kind of works they gave up a lot of depth here i love the pj tucker pickup for him gives him a small ball five option the basketball side of this i kind of like it's just a matter of for the team that has had the biggest problems with guys actually being on the court you're adding another guy that has hasn't hasn't been on the fucking court so it's hard to kind of get on board with it what are your thoughts on the trade yeah, they packed yeah, they, up his boy PJ too, man. They said, PJ, oh, you want to go with your boy? Go on out to LA with him too. Y'all both can go. I'm with AC across the board. We were actually chatting about this earlier in the day. James going to, well, look, look, before I give my opinion, let's talk about how it moved the future. It did go down to the Clippers now around plus 1200 to win the title. It was 20 to 1 plus before that, depending on where you're looking. So it did move the needle quite a bit when it comes to futures tickets and the league title. Now, for me, if James focused on purely being a distributor, even more than he did last year with leading the league in assists, I'm talking about this could be very monumental. I believe that this could be a situation where if he just focused on giving up the rock, it could be a 14, 15 assists a night type of situation. The only problem with James that I have is he still thinks he can score at will. Oh, there's eight eight seconds on the shot clock. I guess it's time for me to get to work and do what I got to do and try to get to the bucket and still try to get to the line. And that's just false. He doesn't have that ability anymore, especially on the offensive side of the rock. It reminds me of that mellow situation when he went to KC. Remember LKC? Remember when they were in the press conference and they were like, hey, yo, Pete, they want me to come off the bench. And it was like everybody was there on mellow that you're not the guy anymore. And he personally wasn't there yet. Yeah. Depending on how James comes into this situation in LA, if he if he still – like if you, if you sat down and asked James, like what, what number guy is he on this team? Him answering the question would would tell me all I need to know if this situation is going to work out or not. He's like, hey, I'm going to be like the three, maybe even the four potentially on some nights if Norm Powell comes off the bench and is cooking. That's where I see myself on the team, and I just want to make sure everyone else gets going that I can get behind this. Until I see that from James, though, uh, I'm I'm more in the camp that Philly won the trade, got a bunch of guys that they can plug and play on expiring deals, and then – 
reset and figure out what they're going to do going forward and then make sure they sit down with Embiid and everyone's on the same page going forward. Jay, does this move make you like or dislike the Clippers more on a night-to-night spot? Uh, it does make me like him a little bit more. But first off, James Harden in L.A., right? What what could absolutely go wrong? Uh, <laughs> I do not want him in a big city or in a party city whatsoever. This is an older team, but they're basically pushing all their chips in. They're going at it like a last dance. Like, this is our best chance to get a championship. Uh, another one for Kawhi, but guys like Russell Westbrook, James Harden, um, uh, Paul George as well. They're going all in on trying to win a championship this year. So um, I, do, I do think that it puts them in the competitive uh, race, right? It actually gives them a point guard. So if, like uh, Sean said, alluded to, if they if he can come in and be point guard first, they can be a great team. If he's trying to score, maybe he hit some threes, but you can't try and do too much, in my opinion. But I guess I said all that to say they finally have like a true point guard out there. We know that Russell Westbrook isn't really a true point guard, so if he can be pass first, it really has a high ceiling, in my opinion. And if he can stay away from the nightlife and put his uh, put his eyes on the prize, then they really can. They really have a chance to make some. Uh, to make some make some noise over there in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, James's thing has always been that he doesn't have to sacrifice the the nightlife stuff. Like he's most players can reach that point where they're like, all right, I, I did it for you know ten years, eight years, five years, whatever. I, I moved past it. I'm ready to like you know I really want to win. Um, and most of them honestly like you know they just they get to a different point in their lives. And James is like, no, like I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna do what I do. And then I'm going to go in, I'm going to give you 40. And that's who I, and the inability to get, you mentioned Mel, it's a good comparison. Cause there's like, you have to be able to self-examine the best athletes have to be so confident that they can almost can't, they can't look in the mirror. They can't recognize those changes because they're too scared of what might be on the other side. Um, for the Sixers, look, long story short, we wrote about an action network today. Brandon Anderson wrote about it. We talked about it on the Monday pod. We, it was very prescient that Jim Turvey was talking about Tyrese Maxey. Uh, most improved player that number has absolutely cratered uh, you're getting 200 and some markets it's less than 300 across the board 200 uh, in most markets I'm not gonna be surprised if Maxi drops another 30 on Wednesday that we're gonna see this number go to like you know sub 200 starting to get into the, the 150s for most improved player um, I don't I personally don't have a good estimation of whether or not you're chasing too much steam at this point, because I don't have like a percentage chance of, of what's going to happen. Like on, on some, do I think that the Tyrese Maxey is far and away best set up right now, more than any other player by margin to win most improved player. I do. He's got to do it for six fucking months. He's got to stay healthy. The Sixers got to stay together. They got to not like we talk about all we, we've done all the work on. You got to be a playoff team. You got to be a guy that makes an all-star team in your first appearance. You got to um, have this point jump, which he definitely is having. He's averaging 10 more points than last season because he averaged 30. Even if he that cuts in half, he's in line for those markers. Maxi seems like a very obvious bet. And I've bet him in parlays with like I've done Maxi Weminyama, which is 420 in the market. Weminyama, rookie of the year, Maxi most improved player. And that gets me a position for me to take other shots on most improved down the line. Um, I think if you're a better AC and you're like, if you love betting most improved player or you were planning on it this season, you know, if there's a long shot that you're very confident in, now's a great time because Maxi's drained a lot of the value. But if you're trying to build a portfolio and it includes Maxi, I have a hard time telling you to bet right now because this thing has been hit so hard since Harden got traded. You know my style, Matt. I don't, I don't even call it chasing steam. I don't overreact to the news, right? Everybody right, right. now is betting 
Clippers title odds. Everybody's betting Maxi most improved. Uh, those are just reactions to just what happened today. Just be patient. It's a six-month season. Just see how it plays. Break it up into quarters if you want, right? There's 80 games, so break it up in 20 games. Reassess after 20, and if you still think Maxi's the play there, then that's when you should fire because most likely you're going to get a better number. Um, but on on this on the most improved front, it's it's hard because the argument uh, for Maxi is who else is really in the conversation, and until we have that story starting to be painted, we can't really make an assumption. So right now, if you're betting Maxi, you're just betting Maxi because you believe wholeheartedly in Maxi. But there's you know 50 other players that could put their name into the discussion. So I'm laying off the the most improved. I'm laying off the Clippers title odds as well. Sean, um, the trade I wrote about it on 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 Monday night. To me, it's interesting in that all the talk today is like, ooh, the Sixers could then turn around and get a better player than Harden because they got all these expiring contracts and they got the picks. I do want to note that actually the expiring contracts don't necessarily help you if you are a team that is entering a rebuild period. What you don't want is dead money. Because if you are a team, let's say that you're the Chicago Bulls and you're going to trade Zach Levine and you're going to blow this thing up. DeMar leaves in free agency, you liquidate Vooch, et cetera. And you're like, yeah, but you get off all that money and so you don't have to worry about the luxury tax. That's true, but you're going to be under the floor, which means you got to find someone to take it. And that's when you wind up doing stupid ass deals, overpaying guys because you're trying to get to the floor because you just have the money. And that's a kind of a difficult thing to kind of to manage. The other thing is, just as the Sixers have the capacity to now go after a Zach Levine, an OG Anobi, Pascal Siakam, one of these other guys that comes available, by the same token, if Joel Embiid motions, if this doesn't, if this, they've started off great. If this thing goes sideways and Embiid motions, like, I'm out. You didn't get a guy for Harden, I'm out. If that happens, this trade allows them to, manip- to maneuver very quickly to a rebuild as well. I don't think Daryl Morey wants that. I think Daryl Morey recognizes that the end of his Sixers tenure. I don't think that ownership wants that. They'll fight like hell to try and keep Embiid locked in and try and compete with him. But I will say that I'm not like, oh, the Sixers are set now and they're going to go get another star and be good. I don't know what the next three months, let alone six months, let alone year looks like for the Philadelphia 76ers, which is why I think they're also a no bet on futures right now. Yeah, well, MB's the linchpin, right? If he wants to stay, there's no rebuild. You try to figure out who you can get and pack up and, and figure out who's going to get around Maxi and Embiid. If Embiid makes a hint at wanting to leave, it's teardown time. Process is over. We gave it a good run, and then we start over. I think the deal gives them flexibility in both ways. That's what I was getting at when it's like, hey, sit down with Embiid and say, hey, what do we want to do? How are you feeling? And then make a decision from there. I also think that's why you had to make the deal earlier than just letting Harden hang around because what if the next 20 games don't go that well? Then it really starts to, the pressure starts to build up of like, we got to do something. So I think I like the deal happening earlier rather than like closer to the deadline because it gives you a little more flexibility. So yeah, MB's the linchpin, pure point blank. If he wants to stay, you you figure out a way to try to get some guys around him. If he wants to leave, it's a teardown regardless. All right, we'll have more on the James Harden trade and the ramifications and the Sixers and all that as the season progresses. That's going to do it for me, but stay tuned. Sean and AC are going to give you best bets for the Wednesday slate. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. 
for new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All done with the James Harden talk. We're in the workshop. Best bets for the NBA slate on a Wednesday. Sean Little, AC Albert Wynn, Analytics Capper. Let's jump right into it. You know the deal. We'll give our best bets. We'll give a cap. We'll get you guys out of here. AC, what are you looking at for the Wednesday slate? I got two underdogs for uh, for Wednesday night. It's going to be Minnesota Timberwolves plus three to three and a half, depending on what you're looking at. That's scary. You're going up against an undefeated Nuggets team. And then the other play is going to be Chicago plus five going up against another undefeated uh, Dallas team. I, I like both underdogs. And I am going to go with the Miami Heat minus six and the Pacers plus 11 and a half. AC, I'm going to come right back to you. Talk to me about the Timberwolves. I was so high on the boys coming in. Ant-Man, damn near print MVP tickets. My long shot was for them to win the West at 40 to one. They have come out the gates very slowly. Talk to me about the Wednesday play. Yeah, so this is like a portfolio of bets, right? I like both dogs. I think one of the one of the uh, undefeated favorites will lose outright. So if you even want to go money line for both of them, Minnesota plus one forty, Chicago plus one eighty. If you go one and one, that's profits, right? But just from a spread standpoint, I think this is a great spot for Minnesota at home to really show that they are one of the up and coming teams in the West. They actually match up pretty well against Denver. Denver right now is a matchup nightmare for every single team in the league. Not only did they win the finals last year, but they're starting this year on fire. And it looks like um, the team, the depth of the team is actually really believing in Mike Malone's system even more than last year. And we have a healthy Jamal Murray to start the season as well. So there's a lot of great things going for Denver, but those are the opportunities and the spots that I like to kind of fade. So Minnesota, one and two this year against the spread. I think they are going to get back to 500. Again, I like the plus three, plus three and a half, and even sprinkle the money line on this game as well. And if you go back to what Matt Moore has said multiple, multiple times being close to the Denver Nuggets organization, that was the hardest out for them throughout the playoffs. They rolled over the Lakers. We know what happened in the finals. The toughest out they had was the Minnesota Timberwolves as they came on and were rolling down the stretch. So, Multiple things going for AC there. The revenge spot, that matchup, that, that matchup, they match up with Denver better than most. Talk to me about Chicago. Get both of them out of the way. Yeah, Chicago, I think this is more of me having a very, you know, close pulse when it comes to the Dallas Mavericks. They've been the same type of team the last three or four years during this Luka era. They will, they will get to, you know, certain spots in the season. For some reason, this season is the, the beginning of the year. But they'll get into these runs where they'll win six, seven, eight games in a row. But then when you when they play a bad team, especially at home, they start playing down to their opponent. They like to play with their food, especially in that second half. And the thing with Dallas, they don't really close out games that well, even though they have Luka, they have Kyrie, they have uh, you know some some good wing guys, and, and Derek Lively is a great rookie as, at center, but... They don't shoot free throws well. And when you don't shoot free throw th- free throws well as a five, six, seven point favorite, that's when you lose the cover. And I think Chicago is going to be 
um, you know, not only knocking on that back door late in the fourth quarter, but I think it's going to be a one or two possession game. And I like the value here for Chicago. It's funny you say how you're in tune with the Dallas Mavericks, AC, because I'm in tune more than most people with the Chicago Bulls. And you just never know who's going to show up on a night-to-night basis. They could go to Dallas and win by 10 points. They yep. can go to Dallas and lose by a dozen. So it, that's been the story throughout the year. I watched Dallas this morning because, you know, I'm on the East Coast. The late games, I go to sleep, bro. I get, I get up in the morning, I get a cup of coffee, and I watch the game in the morning. And Luka is out of his mind right now. And I'm not talking about just scoring because that we know that's what he can do. But, like, the quality of shots that he's getting everyone else is on a different level at the moment. So – that that was one of the tougher games on the board for me. Let's see if that comes in. Let's see what Bulls team shows up. Let's see what Mavs team shows up. Um, but I trust you, AC. Let's see what shakes. All right. I'm going to go with the Miami Heat minus six. I'm going to kick it off just with this. Keep this in mind. Jimmy Butler is questionable. Bam Adebayo is probable. I think he goes. Who knows about Jimmy Butler? I, I We... Even with the season being not even a week old, I it's already impossible to tell who's going to go, who's not. But either way, I still like this spot for the Heat minus six. Hopefully Jimmy shows up. Either way, I still think it's a, a great spot for a veteran team that has that is going back home after three straight losses. This is a really good spot for them to get a win against a very mediocre net squad. I liked what I saw from Miami coming down the stretch against the Bucks. They easily could have folded up. They were down double digits. They go into the fourth against the Bucs in Milwaukee and actually put up a fight and make it end up making it a closer game than it could have been. They easily could have folded up. So I liked what I saw there. The Nets overall have been horrible on defense to start the year, 28th in defensive rating, and they're also turning the ball over a ton, 23rd in turnover percentage. Also, listen, man, this guy Cam Thomas has gone for 30-plus in three straight games. That's every game of the year for the Nets. I have to believe Spolstra will have something for him. He's not going to let Cam Thomas continue to go ballistic like he has been to start the year. So I think this is a good spot for a veteran-related team like the Heat after losing three straight to get back home and get a W against the net, uh, against the Nets. I'll lay the six points. Also, Nick's Cla- Nick Claxton, Cam Johnson out. Dinwiddie, Dennis Smith Jr. are doubtful. This is also the third road game for the Nets as well after opening of the season at home versus the Cavs. This is going to be their third straight road game, and it's in Miami. We don't even have to talk about we, – we know what the nightlife situation down there is. I think this is a really good spot for a veteran Spo-led team to get a W. Heat minus six is the first play. Second play, similarly to Jay and, and, and that idea of just an inflated number, I'm taking the Pacers plus 11.5 versus the Celtics – the Pacers have had a solid start to the year, right? But this is going to be their first real test. They smoked the worst team in the East, the Wizards, who are giving up 125 and a half a night. They beat the Cavs without Mitchell, Garland, and Allen. Then they lost to the Bulls on just an absolute horrendous shooting night. They were 12 for 46 from three, got outscored 34 to 22 in the fourth. That said, I believe this number is too big for a Pacers team that is going to be able to keep up offensively. That's what they do. They're, the the pace is high. They want to get out up and down when when Boston wants to play a little slower. But either way it goes, the Pacers are going to be able to score. Fourth in offensive rating, number one in assist percentage. Also, they've been taking care of the ball 
Last year, they were 23rd in turnovers. Right now, they're number four in turnover percentage to start the year. That's big. That's also Tyrese Halliburton growing up a little bit. I went back and looked at Halliburton versus Drew, J. Rue, Drew Holiday. He's 0-3, but he had some decent numbers. 18, he's averaging 18 in those three games, 10 assists, two steals. So Halliburton has seen Drew Holiday. He won't be spooked by Drew Holiday. Um, And also, if we're talking about a spot here, in a non-primetime game in the middle of the week, in the early early first 10 days of the season, this is typically a time where Tatum, Brown, and Missoula are not really up for this spot. Nothing about this spot is getting those guys jazzed up at all. I'll take the 11.5 with the Pacers, um, with a team that I know will keep up on offense, and a Boston team where I've seen them absolutely relax in spots like this over the years also last point here boston celtics as double digit favorites last year 9 and 12 ats so that number at 11 and a half is big i could be get i could be falling right into a trap here and the pacers can get absolutely run out the building i don't think that'll be the case i'll take the pacers plus 11 and a half ac what do you think i like that that spot against boston because they actually have three nights off after this game. So they have the Wednesday night game and they don't play again until Saturday. So they might be already looking for, um, you know, like a extended, uh, you know, week off. So it's a good spot. I, th- I like all the plays we have tonight, to be honest. To recap, AC analytics capper, Timberwolves plus three, Chicago Bulls plus five. I'm going with the Heat minus six versus the Nets. And I'm going to take the Pacers plus 11 and a half versus the Boston Celtics. That's going to do it for the Wednesday edition of Buckets. Make sure you follow all the guys on social media at Analytics Capper, at Chicago Flow. That's me. We're back tomorrow for the Thursday edition of Buckets. Make sure you stay locked. We'll see you next time. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.